0: All right. Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today we continue the mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness with my next guest, entrepreneur. Dave Foreman. Now, Dave is probably the happiest guy I know, and some might say he's the luckiest guy that they know, and today we get the opportunity to collect his story, man, so I appreciate you coming up and being on the mics with me. Amid all of the confusion and fear out there, we're sitting in the same room, talking on the same microphones, and we even shook hands, so we're defying all the odds.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah, I'm not scared, so I'll go anywhere you want me to
0: go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me neither, man. Me neither at all. We were talking a a little bit about this off mic, and we can get into how this whole thing is affecting business a little later, but one of the things that I always like to do is, you know, it's one thing for someone to own a business and be in the world of entrepreneurship, and you see that, you know, when you meet someone on the outside looking in, but it's really nice to get some sort of semblance of how someone became who they are. And so it'd be really cool today if we can take us back to the beginning. I think you were in Detroit. I was in, in Detroit. D-Town. Southfield, Michigan. There you go. And tell us a little bit about um, you know your upbringing. What was life like growing up uh, in Michigan?
1: Well, it, it was a nice life. It was a lot of fun. We lived in uh, Southfield, which is a suburban, nice area. Mom worked and owned part of a market research firm. You know, those people that you hide from and hang up on the phone. And I was one (laughs) of those guys that you did that to. And my father was into retail. So he ran a store called Corvettes. And if any of your listeners are older than us, they probably remembered it. It was more of like a Nordstrom's back then. And he was really, really good at retail. And I have two sisters. Uh, I'm the middle boy. So I have an older sister who's a speech pathologist now Mm -hmm. and a younger sister who's in the retail trade who does uh, this, almost the same thing, so that's sort of nice. It's It was a fun, fun life, I mean, we had a blast. It, it, it was the 80s, right, yeah. 70s and 80s, yeah.
0: so everything seemed to just be mellow. How do you look then? at those decades, looking back, man, like that decades of the 70s and 80s? You're just a couple years older than me, I think, so... Like, 70s for me, I was born in 73, and I remember the late 70s, of course, and the early 80s as being a fairly innocent time, a lot of fun. You could just go out, you know, you're, you came home when it got dark, if then, right? you know, and right. everything was just kind of laid back. But how do you see those times?
1: You know, it was nice, right? We don't have technology. We had five tv stations i mean mm-hmm. on sunday you watched uh, the uh, what's that out of africa or something we also watched the uh, <laughs> the animal shows and then yeah, you yeah. had the tonight show and you had laugh in right you had basic shows i think pink panther my parents mm-hmm. used to kick me out and throw pink panther parties i remember that but, <laughs> but to me it was just a good time i, I had great friends that We all stood together. I still Mm. talk to them to this day. There's about 30, 40 of us, thank God for Facebook, right? Because they brought us even closer. But we still talk and we do talk about the 80s and the 70s growing up, how it was just a fun time.
0: It really was. Like you
1: said, I mean, we rode our bikes. My parents said, come home at seven, we're eating dinner. And you'd come home at seven and eat dinner. There was nobody uh, checking up on us. There was nobody texting me. I wasn't constantly staring at my phone or, or technology. I mean, we went outside, we played went to school and we all were, did what we did.
0: So yeah, for sure. I remember those times, man, going through school, just pulling all kinds of pranks and, you know, practical jokes. And it was funny, right? You know, you would get in trouble, but it wasn't <laughs> like they called the cops and shut down the school right. because you lit a firecracker or something, you know. Oh, there'd Today be it's fights, crazy. right? I mean, so yeah. the guy
1: would pick up your locker, you'd go outside and watch, two, three hits, <laughs> fights over, they shook hands, <laughs> and then you went back to your class. And now I think you get arrested for assault and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So it was a lot of fun in Michigan was a good time mm-hmm. you know i mean you have the seasons and my neighbor had snowmobiles so when the schools closed down that was nice we'd take off on snowmobiles and yeah it was just again all of us had so much fun
0: yeah back at that time though detroit was pushing out lots of cars weren't they they were was, still like the, all cars one of yeah. the wealthiest cities in the in the nation yeah I except
1: think. the mayors were all corrupt but well, yeah <laughs> to, That's to this every day city. i mean i think they've always had a mayor that was just corrupt and i thank god i wasn't into politics but i'll i keep knowing they all go to jail so i have a feeling
0: they did something wrong yeah for sure (laughs) do you ever go back to that area oh i go back my mother
1: still lives there and she lives in sun city here okay so um i was supposed to be back july for our 40th high school reunion but they Mm -hmm. did cancel it so they're planning it for our 41st instead but uh, most of my friends come out here because detroit (laughs) it went through a maybe five ten years ago went through uh Time where everything was closing down, if you remember.
0: Yeah, isn't there only like two auto manufacturers left in the whole of the area, right?
1: that I don't know for sure, but I know Detroit's not known for that. What's nice is the gentleman that owns Quicken Loans, Okay, he went to high school at the other high school and graduated the same year we did. And he's back and brought his entire operation to downtown Detroit. Mm. So he's been rebuilding it, and they say it's beautiful. They say it looks really, really nice now, and more people are coming back downtown Right. But right. what's interesting is you could buy a house for three thousand dollars. I saw that. Right, right, did you see? That's crazy. So some of my friends' kids were smart enough to buy this all these houses down there. So they've started their real estate business in this turn. So they mm. saw that opportunity instead of it being a bad thing. Right. Right. So yeah, they're rebuilding for, and that's pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. I know the city itself has been as being revitalized. There's been a lot of businesses come in the area and start putting up your little kitschy cafes and restaurants and all that fun stuff, you know, like what you're talking about. Yeah. But then on the outskirts, I've seen some of the rural areas are, not even rural areas, I guess, more neighborhood areas were just completely decimated, man. Like in really, really bad, it's scary bad states. Yeah,
1: if you, if you do a little Google search and or like the, the street, well, the drone. You see how like the drones go through these old buildings. Yeah, it gives. It's creepy, actually. It is pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people were stealing copper out of the houses and yeah. and all of that, but yeah. <clears throat> I think it's coming back. I think uh, they they're doing a great job at it. And my friends won't leave, so <laughs> I keep telling them to move out here, and they they just give me the finger.
0: <laughs> they're just diehards, huh?
1: You know, it's interesting i think they're just scared most of them really well i i I have a friend who you um, mean to leave the area yeah you know he's in insurance and he does insurance and i go dude i swear to god we have insurance in arizona (laughs) you could sell insurance here right and his wife works in retail and we have lots of retail (laughs) scottsdale you know you can move and they're just they're just sort of I don't know. It's interesting how some people don't want to change their atmosphere right Their their yeah. neighborhood.
0: I can relate to that. I mean, I grew up in Athens, Georgia, which is a beautiful college town, you know, University of Georgia. I bleed red and black, you know, lots of football, the whole nine, lots of pageantry and tradition. And before I left the area, I swore I would never leave, you know. But then when I got out and I saw a little bit more of the world, I was like, "Okay, well, this isn't the only nice place I can live. There are other places to live. But I had that mentality. I had that same small town mentality, you know, or that same sort of traditional mentality where I didn't want to. I didn't know what was out there, but I knew what I knew. And that was all that I knew. That nice knew. And that was good enough. Did it snow in Georgia? Does it snow? Does it get cold? On very rare occasion. It gets cold, but very rarely does it snow in the, in the Athens area. We'll get snow up in north Georgia where you've got the termination of the okay. Appalachians. You know, Appalachian Trail terminates in in Bama and it goes through north Georgia. So you'll get uh, a little snow up there, but very, very, very seldom.
1: Because, huh, I mean, in Detroit, right, you'd get in your car You're freezing, it's negative 10, and you're just sitting there, and cold hurts, right? To me, cold hurts. And I don't want to have that feeling anymore. So when I get into my car here, sweating doesn't hurt. You just drink some water and it cools you off. And I always tell everyone, you can go from your air conditioned car to your air conditioned house and to your pool, right? Mm -hmm. You're just fine. Because they complained to me about 110, and I said, believe me, it's way better than zero. It is. Yeah, (laughs) it is. I mean, it's
0: much easier to be too warm. For a season, than too cold for sure. Oh, it
1: cold hurts. Yeah, that's all I gotta tell you. Yeah, I mean
0: you—you met my wife. She's from Calgary. I've spent half of the last decade up there, six months out of the year. It's not cold there, dude. It's such a pain <laughs> in the ass to have to look. I need—I forgot something in the car, so I have to put on boots and pants and four jackets and a scarf you and can a tunic and no, walk down the block to the car. I'm like, no, nah, this is not that's happening.
1: No, just run on, <laughs> get it, and come back. Yeah, I know it was. ai uh, don't. I don't miss it. <laughs> I no. miss the restaurants. It, the you know, obviously, they have all the Greek town and all of that because Detroit's a big city, so you have some amazing cooks and restaurants. But no, no, Arizona's a place to
0: be. Wow, is it de- does Detroit have like a cuisine that it's known for? I've never, I don't think I've ever spent you much know, time it, in it. You know, it's so
1: funny. There's a place called Lafayette Coney Island, oh, yeah, and it, you know, all through high school, it, it was. You know, one in the morning, and you know we're smiling because we did you know '80s things, right? <laughs> and someone says, "Let's go to Lafayette, Coney Island," and next thing you know, you're in your car, and it was open 24 hours, and. They didn't use menus. So you'd say, I want a two on one heavy onions. And the guy would take your order and just scream it to this other dude. And they'd come back <laughs> and <it'd> be perfect. <laughs> and to this day, when I go home, I go to Lafayette, Coney Island. Because awesome. you just have to. So it's a very just melting like a, pot, obviously, of, of. It's a big city. It's yeah. a big city. So there's, there's a lot of people there. That's cool. But there's, I mean, Greek town, you know, flaming cheese, you know, they yell oompa. It's a, have you ever had flaming cheese? No, they no. They light it on fire. And so when it, it goes down, obviously, it's just melted What is gooey? flaming
0: cheese? You, you gotta explain this to me we're
1: gonna have to google it because all i know <laughs> it's at a Show greek a restaurant and they go Oompa, and then they light it on fire and 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 literally and then you dip bread in it so it's so melted that it's just ugh, just thinking about it i'm getting hungry <laughs> wow wow yeah but every no. place
0: has their little spot
1: yeah so detroit i mean it's beautiful there's some great places there but uh, i think arizona is the place to be
0: definitely definitely So one of the things that's uh, been really interesting to me about your life is in the stories that you've told me, you've seemed to have this entrepreneurial bent since the word go. Like you've just been able to, I don't want to say mint money, but you've had this idea that money is one of those things that you can create. You know, you can come up with an idea and you can create some successful enterprise that's going to generate some form of wealth. Absolutely. And what was your first exposure to this idea of entrepreneurship, of how you could earn your own money or hunt for yourself?
1: My father, when I asked him for some money (laughs) as a kid, he looked up from his newspaper and said, start a company. And I was eight years old. (laughs) So I looked at him and said, well, what does an eight year old do dad? Mm -hmm. And he says, well, and he put the paper down and we went through different things an eight year old could do back then. And one of them was deliver newspapers. So uh, for all you young kids, (laughs) newspapers were delivered to your house (laughs) and uh, they would drop off a big bag. And he showed me how to fold them. And I had a backpack and I would walk the neighborhood in the morning throwing them on people's porches and that was my first taste of wow I'll just got to get up and if I want to make money I just have to do something for it Mm -hmm. and then uh, one winter it snowed and I sat and looked in my garage and I noticed we had a snow shovel living in Michigan and I looked at my father and I said I'll be right back and I walked the neighborhood knocking on doors said look I'll shovel your driveway for 20 bucks and they went absolutely right I mean who wouldn't <laughs> want that and plus when you see a kid I do it to this day if I see a kid yeah. selling lemonade or anything yeah. I will stop Me right? too. They're, they're doing what they're supposed to do they're learning how to survive and make money mm-hmm. and, I, and I remember coming home with a hundred dollars that day and my father's just bewildered because back then that's a lot of money it was yeah. <laughs> you know in a day in yeah. one day right so I went okay I think I can handle this <laughs> I think I can figure this out and uh, I just started doing different jobs until I was old enough to actually get a
0: job. Right. Now, did your mom own a company? Your dad. You said your dad worked in retail. But she. She.
1: Um. She worked for this lady at the time, and then when the lady retired, she bought it out and she started her own. I got you. And that was that market research. Right on. So I did work for her. And Mm -hmm. for all you listening, anybody that wants to get into sales, do market research because you will (laughs) learn, uh, you will learn how to be turned down (laughs) very quickly. And it's nothing personal (laughs) because you're a nice person. They just don't want to talk to you. That's right. So I learned how to get people to like me to talk to me. Mm -hmm. Is that a way that which is good for sales? Because you buy from people who you like.
0: Absolutely. Right. It's you not know. price. It's who you trust and who do you like. Yeah. Who do you know, love and trust? Right. At the end of right. the day, that's it for sure. <laughs> yeah. I was one of those guys in the mall. You know, they had the clipboard and then you know would stop you as you came off the escalator because mm-hmm. you couldn't escape. You know. <laughs> did you see the people that did the half moons when they saw you? They'd be like, Whoa, yeah. they go way to the <laughs> yeah. other side. Like, no, yeah. no,
1: no, not even look at me And there. They just do one of these. Like,
0: yeah, oh. <laughs> like you, yeah, like there's the lingerie shop on one side of the escalator and then there's like the you know like a hardware store over here. The old man comes off and heads towards the lingerie. <laughs> story he's like I'm, he wants nothing to do right not, stay away from me exactly Yeah. what's
1: very interesting nowadays even when you get a phone call mm-hmm. for a survey
0: mm-hmm.
1: how many people get mad and yell at you and scream when you're just trying to do your job mm-hmm. but the funny thing is if you just hang up right i mean the key is Just hang up. I won't take it personally. I just go to the next number, and I dial again. It wasn't personal, but it was very interesting how people would let me know their opinion of me calling them at their home when all they really had to do was just hang up.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I do that now. Like when people call me now and I get a lot of sales calls for some reason on the cell, but they come through and if it's someone who has the standard pitch, you know how everyone's reading from a script, right? They give you the standard pitch. I just hang up. Right. But if someone has a creative approach, I like to listen to it. And then when they pause, I say, I'm, listen, man, I'm not your customer. I'm not your prospect. I appreciate what you're doing. And I want to encourage you to keep going because right. I know how difficult it is in sales, but I'm not your guy. And a lot of times they'll be like, oh, cool, man, thanks. Right. And right. then they're going to the next person.
1: Or they might yell, you wasted my time, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've never had anyone do that. No. When I tell them, I really appreciate what you're doing. Right. You know, right. I appreciate how difficult it is to be in the sales world. I'm just telling you, I'm not your prospect so that you can go into the next person because I don't want to waste either one of our time, you know? Yeah. And they're very appreciative of that a lot of times. I've never had anyone get upset at that. I have had people continue, <laughs> you know, right. after I've told them, I'm like, no, 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 you didn't hear me.
1: <laughs> a lot of times I'll end it with, look, I don't, I, I don't have anything but if just email me your information mm-hmm. and i can always forward it if something comes up there you go and they're at least happy at least they can get a forward and maybe by doing that they get some type of point system right so you're helping them out but you don't have to buy the product
0: oh that's a great way of of putting it yeah for right. sure
1: because i don't know i don't know if they get any a click or a one or a mark for emailing information either.
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, so I, I know one of the stories that you've told me uh, off mic um, involves buying product. And uh, you said uh, at one point in your development, you had, you know, gotten a job at Toys R Us and you were I did. you were in the, in the cabbage patch realm <laughs> of our history. Tell us this story, man. This is really interesting.
1: Well, uh, I got promoted to warehouse manager right besides i used to build bikes in the back for toys r us and i guess they thought i'd be a good manager and if you remember it had to be and we were talking about this i can't remember the years that cabbage patch dolls and trivia pursuit were the christmas gift of the year and you couldn't get them had
0: to be like the early 80s yeah i would the, think
1: somewhere in there because i know i was 17, 18, yeah so it had to be early 80s 1819 somewhere in there mm-hmm. anyways the um I knew when the trucks were delivering pallets of Cabbage Patch and uh, Trivia Pursuit. So as the pallets came off, I would pull the tickets and I would buy the entire pallet (laughs) as a kid. And it never made it to the public. And there were people outside waiting for these. And we'd be like, they're all gone. It's it's sort of like what's going on now with the loans. (laughs) Exactly. I put them in my house and I put it, all of them. They were from floor to ceiling on top of each other in our living room. Mm-hmm. And there were, I think, six cases of Trivia Pursuit and over a hundred dolls. hmm and my father would walk into that room and shake his head and just look at me and say, if the cops show, I don't know you. And then he'd walk out. That's all he'd say. So it was pretty funny. So what I found out is I bought them for nineteen ninety nine 99 back then. And I was asking for $100 a doll. And you were just buying them retail
0: from the store. Correct. Yeah. yeah
1: I had to buy them just like everybody else. I sure. just was there before anybody else even knew they were there. Yeah, yeah. So I asked for... 100 bucks, and I was realizing that people back then are thinking that's I'm not paying a hundred dollars for a doll. Mm. So instead of bringing the price down, I realized that the demand was so high, I started selling one dollar raffle tickets per doll up to a hundred. So a hundred people had a chance to win a doll,
0: mm.
1: right? So I think that's 10,000. If I have a hundred dollars, one, it's 10,000. Yeah, it's 10,000. 100 times a hundred, right? right. And then, of course, some people would pay it and other people, whatever. But by the time they all sold out, <laughs> and I remember, I don't even think I had a bank account back then. <laughs> I had a shoebox in my closet, <laughs> and I hope the IRS isn't listening after all this time. But I had about twenty-four thousand dollars in cash, just from the cabbage just patch from dolls? the chiropractor, uh, the chiropractor, the Cabbage Patch dolls, <laughs> <laughs> and the Trivial Pursuit. Oh, that's
0: amazing, and
1: it was just crazy. It was, I, it hit me that this is easy if you really want to make money. Mm-hmm. It is a lot easier than you think. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's and nowadays, gosh, nowadays, uh, I, I like I don't know if you want to change subjects, but I met a kid that he did, he work he sells things on Amazon. He doesn't even take possession of them, and to me, that's a genius, mm-hmm. right? All he does is sell. He doesn't even sell it; they buy it. It goes to him, and then someone else delivers it. Yeah. I, I I somehow I got to get young again to figure this out.
0: Yeah, the dropshipping model is ridiculous with Amazon. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of con- competition nowadays but yeah amazon houses your product and ships it for you right all you have to do is take the risk on having it made purchase it and ship to their warehouse and then they get people
1: to buy it off your website
0: yeah and they will fulfill it for you right which is it's crazy
1: and then there's even you can be an affiliate now to Mm -hmm. a product you build the website that has a great domain name Mm -hmm. you put their website on your website (laughs) on your domain and next thing you know, you just get a portion of what's sold. You just have to get the traffic.
0: Right. Yeah, that's kind of like that influencer model right now, uh, where right. people who have lots and lots of followers will direct you to a link. And then, of course, if you purchase through that link, they get a percentage of the proceeds.
1: I'll say, I don't know an influencer. Yeah, <laughs> You're the sure. influencer. That's the only one I know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but, and that's... Uh, actually just got a, a an email from Amazon. They were dropping the commission rate. So it's going to be interesting to see mm-hmm. who, you know, who's, who keeps doing that or not, you know, because that when they first started, it was fairly lucrative on the some products you could make up to like 15, 16% of the sale huh. for just doing nothing. Literally. It's That's amazing. Interesting. Isn't that crazy? That's it is no crazy, employees,
1: yeah. nothing. You just got to get traffic. Yeah, exactly. That's genius. Exactly. <laughs> but
0: it's interesting to watch the shift, right? Because now that Amazon <laughs> is so well known and they're collecting all these eyes and all this attention, they're relying less on people promoting their products for right. them. Right. And so you become less useful to Amazon. So therefore Amazon's paying you less, which of course is going to force a lot of people to pivot, which is kind of what we're going through right now in the business world, as, as you know, as a business (laughs) owner and myself as a business owner dealing with the COVID-19 situation. But um, another story you told me that was really interesting was the one where you you started a little shoeshine business. <laughs> I did. Yeah, <laughs> that was uh, a fun this, one. That this, was a good one too. Yeah, yeah. Well, this it is a, this is I think a great illustration. Tell the story and then I'll I'll uh, I'll tell you what I'm thinking about it.
1: Well, growing up, I worked at a athletic club. They called the Southfield Athletic Club back then, and I was the towel boy. Right, you all know when you walked in the men's locker room, you, a, a kid gave you a towel, and you went to your locker and you got you know you took it. You took your towel and then you either worked out and we called ours the Schwitz because it was a bunch of old Jewish men, and they didn't do anything but sit in a hot tub, sit in a steam room, and then eat lunch and fall asleep in a lazy boy watching sports on TV. So they did have racquetball courts, so a bunch of us did play racquetball, but I think most people there came to get away from their wives. Right. <laughs> so my father, being in the business he was, had a shoeshine box in the basement, and I was down there, and I saw it, and it just hit me that I see at least 50, 60 guys that coming in, businessmen, and I bet you they need their shoes shined. So I brought it behind the counter. And the first gentleman came in and he's I gave him his tongue. I said, hey, do you want your shoes shined? And I said, I'll do it for three bucks. And leave your shoes. And when you're done with your schvitz, come back and they'll be ready. And sure enough, he did it. And again, I think we talked about, I was doing about three, $3.50, 360 a week in cash <laughs> <laughs> back then, just from shining shoes while I was at work already. yes which was very interesting so and my cost was low right it was uh shoe shining and and the brush and all of that but i'd go home and i'd clean it up and i'd get new stuff so the cost was very low Mm -hmm. but the market was right in front of me right right i mean literally they're they're walking in and they have time right a lot of times you don't have time you see them at the airport so they're Mm -hmm. just wasting time you get your shoe shine these guys are going to be there for an hour hour and a half Mm -hmm. so here take my shoes three bucks sure So that worked out really, really well, but management found out about it, (laughs) called me in the office, and instead of firing me, started their own (laughs) shoe-shining business because they started asking me how I was doing. So they were very nice about it. They were looking at it from a business aspect. They didn't even think about shining shoes as an, an alternate Income for
0: them. And that's the beauty of this thing because, you know, a lot of times when we are in business, there's a line of business available to us that maybe we haven't thought about sometimes. In this particular case, you literally opened up a new line of business for a gym. For gen. them. Yeah, for them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And
1: they didn't fire me, but after a while, I, I left. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was a great, again, another, you know, there, again, it's an easy way. If you just think, if you look around your house, I bet you, mm there's stuff there that you could sell you didn't even realize and make a few thousand bucks and it's so easy nowadays right with all these apps Mm -hmm. and all this thing we had a friend when our kids were little as her kids were growing up she started selling the kids clothes on ebay now again my kids 24 and 25 23 24 sorry (laughs) um but she was telling us how she didn't after a while she got rid of all of her clothes and then she wouldn't even take like we were saying take she would buy something on ebay and then just repost it And not give them an address. And then once she would sell it again, she would give them the address and they would ship it to them and she would make the profit. And I was like, what? And, you know, she was a housewife. So to her, 12 grand a month is what she was making. Mm -hmm. No, I'm sorry. She was making a thousand a month. The 12 grand is pretty good. Um, And it was her money according to her, right? Right. (laughs) My husband doesn't get that. I can do whatever I want. But I thought that was genius too. I never thought of that business model because I'm more of just... I'm more of service. Yeah. I'm more of a service type guy. Like I have no problem. What's that? You're the people guy. Yeah. I I have no problem. When I worked in a warehouse at Toys R Us, I had no problem doing hard work. I think that definitely builds character, you know, and my next door neighbor did poultry, frozen poultry during, so he had a huge poultry company called Lowenstein Poultry And companies like Boeing and Whirlpool would order 300 turkeys and they'd put a truck out in the parking lot. And for Christmas, everybody would get a frozen turkey Mm -hmm. and they'd have a band out there, you know, and, and that was what they would do. Well, he used to bring us in as kids, me and Michael, my neighbor, who's a good friend of mine. And we would, you know, stuff the boxes with the frozen turkeys. Well, that's a lot of work. And then pallet them in the truck and load them. That's fun work to me. Right, I mean that's fun work. So f- for kids nowadays, when for poor masters, when I'm unloading the truck after I reload, I just loaded it with hundreds of cases of soda, and I look at them. I can you want to help, and they give you that look. I go, okay, sit back, and I would unload it myself because it's easy. And to me, that's fun. That's good work, right? I mean, personally, that's just it's a good feeling when you work like that.
0: One hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times people you hear people say that, right? Hard work builds character. Um, But what do you mean by that? Like a lot of times it just comes across as some platitude, right? Like it doesn't really have meaning. But what's the depth behind that? The depth
1: is you call me and say, hey, Dave, I'm moving. My buddies, I'll give you some pizza and beer, right? We're moving all my furniture out of my 7,000 square foot home. Right, right. right? (laughs) I'm in. I'm not going to go, fuck, you know, that's way too much work. No, come on. Let's challenge this. Mm -hmm. I can do this. Let's carry that sofa down the stairs. Let's do this. Nothing scares me, you know, and you know that. I mean, we do Spartans, right? And I won't change the subject, but it doesn't that hard work. If somebody needs something, we're there to do it. We have no problem. I'd love showing off, let me rephrase that. I'd love showing up these young kids who don't want to work hard. (laughs) How's that? (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, if I have to pick up a 50 pound bag of rice and move it, these kids and I was like, oh, that's heavy. Right. Where you and I look at it and go, okay, let's do this. Challenge right? We accepted. get down, it's figured it on, challenge accepted, that's right? It. So to me, that's I, hard work. It does, it, it, it makes you appreciate what you do, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think if you don't do anything, then it, it doesn't build character because you're always looking for a, a better deal. You're looking for a way to, and I don't wanna say scam because that's the wrong word to do it, but do it to where you don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know. It, it, for me, working hard in that warehouse and, and physical work, just it builds character because it just makes you stronger mentally.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like facing things and doing things that you don't necessarily want to do, you know, a lot of times life is filled with those things and it's like, OK, well, how am I going to approach this? Am I going to approach it negatively or am I going right. to approach it with the best outlook possible and then take a lesson from that, you know, and apply that and, and turn it into something, multiply it into something even more positive down the road? And yeah. it seems like uh, that's the only thing that uh, people are like, it's first on the list to avoid. You know, if it's hard, I'm out. I'm out. Well,
1: right. how many people do you say, come on, do the Spartans with me? Oh,
0: yeah. And they're like, you're nuts. Hard? I'm out. How right. long is that? Right. Right. I'm out. You're
1: nuts. Or when we, at Big Bear, we come down the mountain, right? We've been on the, I've been on the mountain for seven and a half hours. <laughs> I come down the mountain, and the bucket carry is back up the freaking mountain. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at that bucket going, what? Yeah, right? you can't move. Your back hurts. Your legs are just about to break. And you pick up the bucket and you go and you set it down when you have to. And you pick. It. And then when you're done, I remember the first, my first run. It was the um Battle Frog. Okay. And it was a nine k. When I was done, I was in the hot tub. I went home and went right to the hot tub. I got teary eyed. I said in my head, I couldn't believe that I actually did it really yeah because it wasn't me to Mm -hmm. run a 9k with obstacles it was stacy you've met stacy come on dave let's do this and i'm like an idiot going sure like a puppy dog yeah yeah, what could be so bad (laughs) (laughs) it was all in sand too it was all in the river road Mm -hmm. so it was not it wasn't it was fun because we were with rita and stacy but Uh, I literally was teary-eyed because I couldn't believe that I actually finished something like that. Mm. And I remember my first beast, too. I was like, I can't believe I just went 13.2 miles, right? I walked some, I ran some. It's not like I did a run, but I did it, right? I mean, Mm. and that's something that it's amazing how you feel when you realize something I never thought about doing and now I think I'm on my 24th run <laughs> that's amazing. once I start up again, right? Because yeah. now it's fun. Yeah. And you challenge yourself now differently by getting over it and quicker. Right. right. Now, now there's a different challenge.
0: Yeah, that's interesting that you brought up the teary-eyed piece about <laughs> the accomplishment. I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, I know you, you study a lot of books and you're involved in masterminds and that sort of thing. One of the books that is most, I guess, one of my favorites is a book called The Four Agreements. And in that book, Don Miguel Ruiz talks about Toltec wisdom and he lays out four principles and he gives all these examples along the line of how you apply them. And I'm reading this book and and I'm going through it and I'm realizing how it applies to my life. And it, it just in going through his words, it allowed me to start letting go of things I had held on to, you know, like identity, like you're saying, I'm not the type of person who can do 9K. And now here <laughs> I, you are teary-eyed because you are the type of person who can do, do 9K K, and right. you let go of that other person. And it's amazing how sometimes just that Id- that idea of that that cathartic sort of feeling that comes from just releasing and, and getting teary eyed and getting emotional and just letting it go. And then you find yourself in this new space and it's like right. light and it's free. That's, that's well, the f- fear, right? If you, if you cross fear, mm-hmm. right? It, then you're, you There's nothing to be scared about.
1: Toastmasters, we're in that together too, right? (laughs) And if you you hear my personality, everyone thinks, Dave, you talk to anybody in an elevator anytime, you never shut up, and and (laughs) you're scared to do public speaking? And it's like, yep. (laughs) But I had to face that fear because more and more people are asking me to speak because of 28 years of being in business. They want to hear the stories. They want to hear what's going on. So I said, face the fear, and do it and you know i'm still working on it Mm -hmm. but i don't poop in my pants now when i stand (laughs) up in front of you to give a speech i might like a little nervous
0: and then it goes away within about 15 20 seconds (laughs) well so what is your fear of the public speaking piece where do you think it comes from i know
1: exactly where it came from (laughs) when i first started poor masters i was speaking in front of about 15 wedding planners at the Mm -hmm. tovria mansion and I didn't make any notes because I'm Dave. I knew everything. I'm, you know, I've been running this business for two years. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I started talking to the girls. Um, and sure enough, I lost my space in my head on where I was. And I went blank. And we've all been there. We've all been there. And to me, it felt like 15 hours have gone by. And I'm thinking, what the heck was I freaking talking about? Right? I have no idea what I'm talking about. I went completely blank. And one of the girls who was my friend said, Dave, you were talking about your packages and all this other goofy stuff. And I went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I finished up the speech. At the end, she says, it was like 30 seconds maybe. You know, it was no big deal, no big deal. But to me, I made a fool of myself, mm. right? So now I was always nervous about speaking in front of people because I was going to go blank again. Mm. I, made the, uh, I made it to Entrepreneur Magazine. We were in, uh, in one of their articles and I got a call from the Entrepreneur class at ASU Mm -hmm. and of course he says would you like to give a speech and I'm sure I'd love to and I hung up the phone and I went what the hell did I just do (laughs) right so for three days I'm freaking out I'm not sleeping I'm like this is a lecture hall with 300 people right you've been there you're down here and the lecture hall goes up so I kept thinking okay Dave David what makes you what makes you calm what makes you calm I literally rolled one of my bars through campus (laughs) and put it off to the side. And when they introduced me, it was quiet, right? They're Dave Foreman and Poor Masters. Everyone clapped. I roll the bar into the front of everything. I unhook it. I put it up. And I looked at everyone. And I went, <sighs> I am now comfortable. <clears throat> everyone busted out laughing. <laughs> I was like, okay, I got this, right? <clears throat> now I was supposed to speak for 40 minutes. So I said, look, guys, I can't speak for 40 minutes. It's just not going to happen. So if you have any questions... Just fire them away. It's a lot easier that way because I knew what I was talking about. I just didn't know how to put it in a 40-minute speech. Right. And sure enough, hands went up, and we started talking. Before you know it, it was over with. Mm-hmm. By the time we were done, I had six new employees because <laughs> everybody came down. They were all college students. Sure. They wanted to work, and they asked me to come back and do it again. So I have to find ways to do that. I've been on, on panels which I can do, I just get up there so nervous. And I think right. Toastmasters is helping me not say ums and so's and you know all the things that we're trying to do. So it makes me think a little bit mm-hmm. on how to give a speech.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that so many people ask others to speak in terms of a speech because only about 5% of the information is retained. It's one of the worst ways to learn anything. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) But having the interaction that you're talking about where you have this give and take with the audience, where you have people asking intelligent questions, as long as you're directing that in a, you know, in a, in a positive manner, you're going to, Give way more value, especially to a class that wants to learn about business or marketing or whatever it was you were there to promote.
1: Right. Well, that's what the great thing was when they asked the questions, then I could give an example. Mm -hmm. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the way it went. And then it just kept going and going. And before you know it, you're just, you're really just having a conversation with 300 people. Right. Whereas they're not all staring at me waiting for an answer, like... I don't know, it was weird. So Speak to us, oh great oracle. <laughs> right, I'm like, <laughs> I'm just us. a dude that started a bar service because I like parties, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know, I can't believe I can make money doing this. <laughs> oh, this is a great. good time, actually. <laughs> that's great, wow.
0: So talk about that a little bit. I mean, I know that, obviously, Detroit native, um, transplanted to Arizona. <laughs> what brought you here?
1: Well, my mom with her, with her, I went into their office and they were saying how... Arizona, they were having problems with the employees doing surveys. Mm. And I literally walked in on a Friday, and I, I was sort of eavesdropping. She was talking in the office, and I stuck my head in, and I said, I'd move. And uh, she said, pardon me? And her and the, the lady that owned the business out here. And I said, I'd move. If you need help, I'll move. And the next Friday, I kissed my girlfriend goodbye, and I drove cross-country <laughs> in my Renault Alliance, <laughs> and I uh, moved into her house. Yeah, wow. <laughs> And that was, that was 86. Wow. Wow. It was, and that, I had $300, my unicycle and some clothes. That's amazing. And, and the unicycle's still in the garage. <laughs> I pull it out every now and then. Can just you to ride see, it? I can. <laughs> I, I brought it to the gym just to show off. And everyone was like, holy crap. And I drove it around. <laughs> now,
0: what are the odds that a guy who loves parties can ride a unicycle? Right. Pretty
1: good. Well, when I went to ASU, I went to ASU for a few years. I'm a, just, nobody wants it. I'm a sophomore, but I think I went eight years. So I'm mm. doing pretty good. <laughs> but I used to ride it to school. Mm-hmm. from my apartment which is about maybe a mile away and this lady stopped me and asked if I wanted to be a clown she had a clown company <laughs> And I, I, she said, do you juggle? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't juggle. She said, if you learn to juggle, I can hire you. Yeah, so, I draw the line at unicycle. Right. So, you know, I'd wear the red nose. <laughs> I just couldn't juggle. <laughs> but my son, I, um, he juggles. And then I threw him on the unicycle and he learned. So we, I have video of him when he was a kid oh, juggling great. and uh, riding the unicycle. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So that brought me to Arizona based on they needed help and my work ethic was 10 times better than that
0: they were experiencing at the time. But what, what about you made you just willing to pick up and go? Like you had been in Detroit your whole life, I'm guessing at this point, right? So I, you just said, screw I, it, I'm out of here. I said,
1: I'm out. I literally had seven days i mean i said i'll go and they said are you sure and then by saturday we were already letting she was telling me i could stay at her house mm-hmm. here's what they're going to pay me and again i didn't have any rent because mm-hmm. i was living in the owner's home here she had two homes and uh, the only person that was really pissing me was my girlfriend <laughs> at the time <laughs> i did ask her to come but she said no and uh, and that was that was it so there you go I, I mean i just I, I don't know i just felt it was time you know, I, I was, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I guess I still don't know what I wanted to do. Really? I just, you know, I wasn't going to school there. I was, I'm a good worker, so I was working. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, didn't, you know, I, at school wasn't for me. I, I'm not a studious person. I'm more of that hard worker, right? Let me work 15 hours a day. I can do that. Studying, eh, it's not my forte. right. Right.
0: <laughs> So, what was it that was happening in the market here that they wanted to correct? You said they were having issues with the Arizona employees not fulfilling their obligations. Well, yeah, you know,
1: Siesta. De- <laughs> it's a Detroit company. So, working 10, 12, 14 hour days are normal back ah, then. I see. And out here, they work eight hours and they don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, they were just needed somebody that had that work ethic mentality. And sure enough, you know, I got all the tough jobs and then some others would follow. And say, okay, now I see how it's supposed to be done. Because if you have Mm -hmm. a leader that's lazy, Mm -hmm. then you're going to have workers that are lazy.
0: Yeah, it's a (laughs) top-down phenomenon for sure. (laughs) Right.
1: So when you (laughs) see all of a sudden, oh, this is the owner's kid... And wow, he's actually kicking butt. I mean, mm. you do surveys in 110 degrees door-to-door with popsicles,
0: right?
1: <laughs> I mean, there's times I would ask for water. And I didn't know if you know this, but in Arizona during the summer, you if someone asks for water, you have to yeah, give it to them. You have to give them, it to them, right? yeah. So I drank out of a lot of hose back Because <laughs> people we were looking at me nowadays, I don't even answer the door. But, you know, back then they are like, sure. And, of course, you'd have to wait 5, 10 minutes for the hot water to get through. But most people would give you water. Yeah, for sure. But they were just having problems getting the employees work ethic up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that was yeah, June it was
0: June of 86 that's how I can remember. Yeah, well we talked earlier about doing difficult jobs or doing hard things in general, right? And obviously knocking on doors in 100 degree heat is is one of those things, but then keeping your wits about yourself and having a good positive interaction with a customer or or a potential client for this company that you're representing and all the rest of it, that takes it to a whole new level, you know? So if you look back on those days when you're coming up and you're getting into this world of marketing, what were some of the lessons that, or the nuggets that you pulled away from those experiences that apply today?
1: Well, I believe everybody's the same. Mm-hmm. I thoroughly believe we're just going through life at different speeds. So when I ask you a question, some people might find it offensive. Other people might not, right? Everybody mm-hmm. will answer. So I'm a question person. I... I, I wanna to get to know you and it's amazing when you people will talk about themselves all the time if you ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. So by the time I leave from a marketing aspect, they're like, wow, he is really a nice guy. And they don't know anything about me because <laughs> I did all the questions. And the only example I have is we were in Vegas with my wife and her sister and we took a bus to you, you take a bus, you go down the the uh in Vegas down the strip and then Mm -hmm. you drink your way back, right? Right, right. (laughs) Right? So we're on this bus and we get on the bus and I sit and I talk to the driver and now my sister-in-law is talking to my wife and going, what the hell is he doing? And of course, my wife goes, watch this. So I come back a few minutes later and I stand there and my sister-in-law looks at me and goes, so? I go, she's 39 years old. She's lived here for five months. She makes $14,000 a year. She has three kids. She graduated and my sister-in-law goes, what? (laughs) And I go, you know, If you just ask questions, people would love to talk about themselves. Mm -hmm. So to me, when you're talking marketing, people buy from the people they like. So we're all the same. So just become friends with them and don't try to sell anybody. Mm -hmm. And then when they need something, they come back to you. There's charities all around town that Poor Masters donates to every year. We give them the booze. We give them everything. Mm -hmm. And there was one charity that we started with that was brand new, and now they're so big, they bring in a million dollars a year, but she called me about year five, and she says, Dave, we're taking you to lunch, the owner of the nonprofit. I said, not necessary, it's okay. She says, first of all, we don't even know who you are. You donate every year, you don't ask for anything we're taking you to lunch, right? Because anybody that donates, I want five tickets, right? Mm -hmm. I I, I want my logo on this, I want this. And I said, really, it's not necessary. And she wouldn't take no for an answer. So we met at Top Golf, and they bought me lunch. And she was really bewildered. I mean, she kept staring at me going, you don't want anything out of this. I said, well, that's not true. You're bragging about me. I bet you that every single person you know. And she looked at me and smiled. She goes, okay, I think I'm starting to get this. And I said... I don't need anything, right? I want to help you, right? I have a legal drug. I have booze, right? And I have enough of it where I can give it away. Right. So why not help other people? Mm -hmm. So from a marketing aspect, for poor masters, it's very easy to give and not expect back, which to me is a great way to live a life. Yeah. Right. Like that whole
0: idea, concept of giving without the intention of, of right? someone doing something for, for you. For you, And everybody's
1: yeah. that way. What do yeah. I get out of this? Right. Right. You'll never hear me ever say anything like that ever. Yeah.
0: I think that's such a brilliant concept and I've heard a lot of people talk about it, but very few people execute it well. This idea of selling without selling, you know, right? like, um, do you have a, a way of putting that, uh, you know, kind of like into a system? Like, what does it look like when you sell and you're not selling?
1: Okay, well, you've been to our parties at Parkside Lane. Sure. So our office has got you covered, which is an entertainment company, Mm -hmm. has whisk cakes, has select sitters, had um, other vendors, uh, video and things. So what do we do every month? We throw an open house party free, free, catered, open bar with a band or entertainment. Mm -hmm. People freak out. We, had, we have, during the summer, hopefully we can do it this year. Hopefully people come out. Everybody come out. Yes, please. <laughs> come out. But every Friday we have, excuse me, what we call our summer social series. Mm-hmm. We have a different theme, different caterer different band, different drink at the bar. Now the bar is always full, but we always have a signature drink. Well, one year I put it on Meetup, I put it on LinkedIn, I, you know, it's open to the public. We don't care who shows, as long as you're over 21. Right. We just want people and, and to come. So in comes this couple, and we always have someone at the door introducing, hi, how are you today? And she says, hi, when's the pitch? And I knew where she was going, and I smile, I go, pitch? She goes, okay, nobody does this for free, what's the pitch? And I said, ma'am, there's no pitch. The bar's over here, the food's over here. And I excused myself, because I knew she was looking for it. So just have fun. So it was a country band at the time. And her and her husband are great country dancers. I didn't know that. And as I'd walk by, I said, you having fun? And she'd look at me and go, soon? Is it coming soon? <laughs> and I go, I swear to God, man. There's, I, mean, I just met her. I had no idea. She just saw us on. Yeah, on, she's like, like, where's the timeshare presentation right, right, going right, to be? Yeah. Right, what, what Swampland are you selling me in Florida? <laughs> right. And all of a sudden, at the end, she came up to us to thank us. And you could tell that she was just bewildered. She says, I don't get it. I, I, you guys are the nicest people. You, you do this every Friday? you know how can you do this and we said first of all we like people we like meeting new people two i like parties right i mean <laughs> might as well go with that and three you're gonna leave here telling all your friends how great we are so what a better way to market right we're not here to make money off you if you hear in the future it could be a year down the line your daughter's getting married or somebody you're gonna say call poor masters these guys are a lot of fun mm-hmm that's smart selling without selling, Mm -hmm. right? And I just happen to have that
0: product that can do it, right?
1: Right, And it's a good thing I'm not a big drinker. So it's like,
0: (laughs) so basically what you're doing is providing a positive experience for people and you're just planting a seed, just planting a seed, planting another seed. You buy from who you like right?
1: and to help you out. So we we also have a networking group called the North Valley Professionals, uh, second Wednesday of every month. And our concept is don't come in and tell us what you do. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're looking for. Our job is to help you succeed. Mm-hmm. So we have people split up and find out about each other. So you're not walking in and handing out 30 cards to people who are gonna throw them away because it's not about you, it's about you helping others. So they spend 15, 20 minutes talking to each other, learning about each other's business. Mm-hmm. And then you have four, day, four weeks, right? For the next time we meet, you have to get one lead, that person you met. Now let's just say that person's a realtor. Great. So if you can't do it, it's perfectly fine. We understand that, right? But you could be sitting in a restaurant, somebody's talking about I oh, would need to buy a house. You could say, I'm sorry, I was listening to your conversation, but call Todd, you know, he's a great realtor. Next mm. week you come in, you might need a new realtor. But it's okay, because that's the only lead you have to find him. Right. Right? So it's a totally different concept. Whereas if you help others, business will come tenfold.
0: Yeah, I've never really understood the concept of some of these business meeting groups where you come together and you basically just preach to the choir. Say, hey, this is what I do. Blah, blah, blah. Listen to me for the next 20 minutes and then nothing. Then use me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Use me. Use me, but don't, right? Because no <laughs> one's there for them. No one's there for anyone but themselves.
1: Yeah, our networking group is completely different. Yeah. I mean, we literally say, this isn't about you when you come in. Mm-hmm. It's about you helping others succeed and watch how by doing that, mm-hmm. It'll come tenfold.
0: Right, right. So is that group open to new members? Or all the is that time. closed yeah. off? no. Okay, it, cool.
1: Every Wednesday at Parkside Lane, every second Wednesday of the month. Right? Cool. Did They say that right?
0: <laughs> awesome. We'll I'll have to put that in the show notes for anyone who's interested in looking for a quality group, for sure.
1: And we're up at uh, 19th Avenue and Pinnacle Peak. So we're north. We were tired of running around to build more area and Tempe and all that. So we, since our office is there, there's so much in that air park. Mm-hmm. We thought maybe a networking group would be fun.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's oh, and just- the bar's open. Yeah, the bar's open. (laughs) Yeah, it's surrounded by (laughs) tiny little businesses, uh, small businesses left and right, for sure. That's
1: a lot of fun. So for us, it really is an easy marketing tool.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So So it's interesting, you've mentioned Poor Masters a couple of times, obviously a company that, that you run, one of the companies that you run, but how did you transition from the marketing piece into the bartending piece or the bartending services, I guess you'd say?
1: Well, everything happens for a reason. (laughs) And I was uh, working for a blueprinting company at the time, and I was in their sales, and I was on my way to a sales call, and this is back in 91, Mm -hmm. right, because it had to be December, and I was at Thomas and 24th Street, and a commercial on the radio was about, go to bartending school and become a bartender, and, you know, work, work. Work nighttime and have a great time. And the school was actually to my right. It was at 24th Street and Thomas. So I'm thinking, okay, there's, there's, that's the So you'd a have sign. to be the laziest person right. in the world not to check it out. Right. So instead of turning right, <laughs> I turned into the parking lot and I walked in. And of course, I was in sales. So I was in a tie and, it, you know, long sleeve and slacks. And the gentleman that met me looked at me and said, We don't get guys like you in here because usually to be a bartender, a lot of these guys come in and, you know, they're working the neighborhood bars. So, sure. you know, I'm not tatted or anything like that, but he um, wanted 500 bucks and we laughed about this, but I got him down to 250, (laughs) (laughs) and I took the two week course. And then I went to a friend of mine who was a bartender and another friend of mine who's an amazing sales rep and said, let's start a company. And we came up with poor masters one night after drinking a bottle of whiskey, I think it was.
0: Now, had you done any research on what might be necessary (laughs) at this point? Or did you just say, screw it, we're doing it. We're just
1: doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Now I believe in failure as my best lesson. Okay. I have failed more times and I go, oh, I shouldn't do that, <laughs> right? <laughs> then anticipating if I'm going to fail.
0: So failure as a best lesson, what does that look like in practicality?
1: At practicing, you spend um, five grand starting a company and realize what the hell was I thinking? There's no market for this, mm. right? Instead of doing the research. Now, some people argue, you know, you should have done the research first, right? Mm. But to me, it, it, you, you tend to learn or, or with an employee giving them a leeway and they take advantage of you, mm-hmm. so you don't take that leeway back. So you learn, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. That's how our, our manual. Uh, I'll go, maybe go back to the story real fast. So we, I took the class. We started Poor Masters in '92. And then they left uh, in thirty days, and we ended up with the company. Oh wow! Um, from there, and uh, thirty think, days. Yeah, yeah. From January first to thirtieth, they both split. Why so fast? Well, one moved to Colorado, and she owns a chain of burrito companies and an Italian restaurant. I still talk to her. She's doing really great. She got married, <laughs> and beautiful family, and my buddy, um, he's a big time fireman right now, but he mm-hmm. owned a printing company, and when the internet hit. You know what happened to printing companies, and mm-hmm. uh, he decided to become a fireman. But his uh, his wife um, just asked him not to bartend. I don't think she liked the hours of late night and all that kind of stuff. I got you. I got you. Um, but um, yeah, no, it's it's been a fun ride at that point. Yeah, yeah.
0: So so thirty days, your partners are gone. You're there, and why did you keep going?
1: It was because we were actually getting business, and. It was just me, so I was bartending. I was doing everything, so it wasn't that big of a deal um, at the time. And I remember the first time I got two jobs on one day, and I was like, "Holy crap!" I was looking at my wife, like, "What the hell do I do?" Right? I mean, I can't be in two places. So I had to get another, you know, another guy. And I remember my first truck was just a was a pickup truck, you know, with a with a bungee cord net on it with all the stuff, and uh, and we just started growing, and you learn you just learn as you go. So, you know, I got, I got a second bartender and then I read an amazing book called the Mm E-Myth and it teaches you that you need to work on your business, not in it. So I had to step back from being a bartender and learn how to grow it and bring the correct people in Mm -hmm. to maintain that growth. Right. It's a great book. I forgot uh, who wrote it, but uh, if anybody's out there, it's all about systems. And it's a great book. So I stepped back and sure enough, we just blew up because at the same time that year, those years were growing years and I only had no competition. So I was convincing everybody to use us Mm -hmm. uh, because we have insurance and we have employees and you know, everything's covered. So we use a little scare tactic nowadays, you know, Arizona, you're personally liable bartenders. If somebody hurts somebody leaving drunk. Okay. And so we carry great insurance and all of that. So it's just, um, you know, you got to be careful. You're serving alcohol.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this is interesting, though, that you've been with it for 28 years and it basically sounds like you stopped into the bartending school on a whim. <laughs> you had two partners leave immediately and yet here you are 28 years later. And the fireman still tells us this day, is, damn it, I should stay with <laughs> you. <laughs> I should stay with you. Yeah. That's a lot more fun than uh, running into a burning building. Yeah. I mean, think year. about it. You know,
1: we've done Super Bowl part, like, we did the super bowl party for all the celebrities in front of the stadium right mm-hmm. now i probably had four hours of sleep in three days because we've been doing parties for the governor's ball we did all these parties for um, um who's the lingerie company
0: oh which one there's several. The big, who's the big one uh, Victoria's secret thank you
1: we did that uh, their party you know and so i'm doing this party and the super bowl's about to play and the party's over and my client looks at me and says come on i got an extra ticket for you we're in a suite for the super bowl and i looked at him i said no nah, i'm going home And he stopped dead in his track he says pardon me i said dude i'm going home he goes i have a ticket for the super bowl in a suite (laughs) and i said i i so appreciate it but i'm literally going home i go if it was the stanley cup (laughs) i'd be in there in a second because i'm a Uh, hockey guy guy, but i literally went home fell asleep on the couch woke up when they were celebrating that's funny (laughs) Um, and he was bewildered he was looking at me like it's the super bowl and I said, it's okay, buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very interesting. We've met some great you know movie stars. We've done parties for vice presidents. Uh, we did a party for Vice President Quayle when he was here. and uh, we did it at a house and the secret one of the secret service guys was in the bushes literally oh, really? in the bushes. Right. So I go by him and I look and I, you know, I take a double look and I start laughing and he looks at me and goes, dude, don't be laughing. And I go, you don't get paid enough to do this. And then he started <laughs> laughing. And He's like, Hey, this is where they put me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I was like, okay, That's crazy. Uh, we've been
1: to some crazy houses with leather kitchen floors and leather
0: floors. Yeah. Wow.
1: Think about it. You're stepping on a floor and it's yeah. gooey. That's, it's uh, like, if you spill spaghetti sauce, what happens? Oh, man. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Bowling horrible. alleys, uh, all sorts one guy built a house he was a rock climber he built it in the side of the rock with 30 feet high so he could climb in his own house wow (laughs) that would he He had like a game room where he would go watch this and climb and get to come back down (laughs) that's really cool (laughs)
0: Yeah. I've always enjoyed doing things that didn't require me to do the same thing every day. Right. You know, so even if you're, you know, pouring liquor or whatever, you know, not that you're doing that anymore, but you're in different venues. You get to see different things with different people and have different interactions. To me, I think that's one of the greatest ways that you can actually earn money, right? Because you get to learn so much and meet so many people, and they come up with these crazy stories with like leather floors and right. stuff. Isn't
1: that crazy? Well, <laughs> most of my bartenders, it's a great second job. Yeah. Right. We say, look, you're not paying your mortgage with this job. This is for paying off student debt this is for saving for a trip Mm -hmm. you know this is for fun money right this is fun money and a lot of them are realtors or travel agents or whatever but they get to they say the great thing is i get to go to different places Mm -hmm. all the time and it's always a celebration Right. Now, what is nice is lately or we used to (laughs) now we're doing celebrations of life, which I thoroughly appreciate, because saying this is a funeral to me is the negative celebration of life is the positive. Sure. And more and more people are starting to celebrate the life. And we're doing a lot more of those with alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are fun. Mm -hmm. Those those to me, that's how it should be. Yeah, for sure. Right. As my daughter knows, she has explicit instructions for my party that you'll be invited to. (laughs) And what's going on? Because my wife said she won't do it. (laughs) My daughter said she would do it. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah, man, funerals. Wow.
0: I don't, yeah, I'm not sure who came up with that concept, you know, where you have to be upset, you know, for a certain period of time that someone's gone. Especially when they celebrate know, that they lived in the first place.
1: Yeah, 94 years old, right? They lived a good life, <laughs> right, yeah. They lived a great life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even, even if you have a sense of humor. My mother's 86, and she's hilarious. She's That's hilarious. You know, she walks three miles a day. I mean, she plays Mahjong. She bowls. She golfs. Right? And she's, like, having fun. That's great. <laughs> That's
0: so fantastic. How did you, looking back on it, you know, if you had to pull a couple of key elements from some of the things that you did to grow your business, you know, what were some of the things that you did to acquire the customers that you have and build the business up to where it is today?
1: Cold calling was my favorite. (laughs) Excuse me. Cold calling. I loved it. I I have no problem. I used to go down to uh, downtown Phoenix, go into the top of a building and work my way down. One time I went up and I noticed the security guard was looking for me. So uh, I said, okay, he's gonna catch me sooner or later. So we started playing this game and I started going down three floors and then he'd go up two floors and go down one floor. And he finally caught me and he's like, you know, no soliciting and I was like, I get it. And he walked me out and I became friends with him. So next time I went Mm -hmm. back, I brought him a little gift, and he let me go back in and stuck right left off. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, it, because to me, they said no soliciting, but I wasn't selling anything. I was just informing them of a product if they needed it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't asking for sales. Now, when I walk in for a cold call, you know the person at the front desk is what I call the gatekeeper, right? We all know right. that in sales. Now, when I hand a card and says, who do I talk to about getting drunk? <laughs> that gatekeeper goes, that gate just opens, right? <laughs> talk to Susie, talk to Heather, talk to, right. They hand it right over to human resource. So right. cold calling for me was great. I also networked my butt off. I literally breakfast networking, lunch networking, night networking. I met, mm-hmm. tried to meet as many people as I could.
0: What are some of the keys to doing network smartly? You know, I know a lot of people say that they're networking when they go someplace and they hold up the wall. You know, in a room full of people, and to me, that's just a waste of time. And I feel like a lot of these business meetup groups are that way nowadays. You know, so what are some of the smart ways to do it, where you can actually develop a relationship and build a conversation with someone over time?
1: Go in with the attitude; it's not about you. Mm. Go in and learn. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. Learn about what everybody's. Do, what do you do? What do you do for a living? Let them talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. Then, when you leave, find them a lead. I guarantee you they will come back with a lead to you because they're very appreciative that you got them a lead. And now mm-hmm. you became friends. Now you're friends. Now they're telling everybody about you. When you go to those, don't be selfish. Mm-hmm. Go in and think about how to help. Now, if I meet you and you're a, I don't own a dog. I do own dogs, but say I didn't own a dog. And you were a dog trainer, I'd say, oh, great. You know, and I'd spend little time with you because I don't know what to give you right but yeah. i do know people with dogs so at least i'd take your car and i wouldn't spend a lot of time on you mm. a lot of times i would find catering directors right i'd find certain people that i would look for and go and just introduce myself but i think the number one thing is don't be selfish mm. go in looking to help others and they will turn
0: around and help you mm. so key right? so to key. me
1: i mean it seems that way doesn't it it's, yeah it seems obvious it seems
0: obvious <laughs> and it seems so simple but why don't more people do it it is a it is a very much a me sort of a oriented business world right now I think.
1: Well, I think that has to do with just society as a whole, right? I mean, it, it, it's where you learn in your what you learn in your in your house, mm-hmm. right? Look out for yourself, this kind of thing. You know, we we had a saying for the kids: "This is a happy house and a sharing house." And if you can't live under those conditions, the front door is right there. <laughs> and you know, and we weren't a screaming house either, right? So we were a common sense house, sure. right? So if um, my daughter and my wife were arguing, and my daughter storms up to her bedroom, I'd run up there and say, hey, I love you, right, and she'd say, get out of my room, dad, you're my favorite daughter, and she's like, I'm your only daughter, right, (laughs) (laughs) and I'd say, look, I'm going to back you, whatever you say, but you realize if you don't do what mom says, you're going to get in trouble, now you're a smart girl, Mm -hmm. so I'm backing you, so what should I go down and tell her, right, and she'd be like, get out of my room, and I'd go downstairs, and of course, a wife would look at me and say, well, 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 and she'd come down and say, fine, I'll do it. And the wife was like, what the hell? And there was no screaming. There was nothing. And I said, sweetheart, we have smart kids. You just got to talk to them and let them know consequences. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. all. So again, when you go to networking, help, right? Look for people that you know that you can get them a lead, Mm -hmm. right? So say you are looking for fake grass in your backyard. You just haven't chosen anybody. If there's a guy there selling fake grass, guess what? I need a quote. That's right. Right? I mean, go after what you need and help them out
0: hmm. That's, I guess, my biggest thing. Yeah, I love that, man. I love that. It's just it's it strikes me as odd that it's such a well-known concept in terms of what people spout off about. You know, they speak it, but very few people actually act on it. And that's just such a travesty to me because we all can be some form of connection to other people in our circles and help them just like what you're talking about. And that's what I'm hearing is like just connect people, you know, connect people together, put them together, put connect the dots for them, you know, make their life easier. In some way, shape or form and then watch that kinda of come back on you.
1: It's it's not a want, it's a give. Yeah. Right? It, it, the more you give, the more you get. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, it's just, it's been proven. <laughs> I don't know, it's just been it's proven. It's science, man. Well, it's just, you know, I always say I don't need it. If you needed my house, I'd crack up. I'd go live in a box. You can have my house. I'll get another <laughs> one, right? And, and people aren't like that way. They're very possessive. Right. And and people know that. You know, I give away more stuff that I don't need because I don't need things to be happy, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I don't. So I might be different there, but I don't need, a, a, you know, my father, when he had his car, we put stereo in it when he was 40. Okay. He was 40 <laughs> when we put stereo and he listened to talk radio and he came back one day from work and he says, the dude's behind me talking, <laughs> <laughs> right? That, that's how simple we were back then. <laughs> so to this, if, if you said to me, I love that shirt, here, take it. I'll get another shirt. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't understand because I don't need, it's, maybe that's just me, but I don't need that stuff to be happy. No, for right? sure. I mean, I think so, it points to uh, just <laughs> to having
0: a fantastic abundance mindset. You seeing the right. world, like there's plenty in it as opposed to this is mine and you can't have any. Right. Because I'll never
1: get it again. Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. it's like, <laughs> yeah,
0: I think that's uh, one of those things that, a lot of people miss, I, you know, I can state from my, my upbringing, that's something that I missed coming up, you know, my parents didn't have a lot. And so there was definitely this scarcity mentality. Right. And it's one of those things I had to cultivate, you know, as I've gotten older, you know, and invest in myself to create. This idea that, you know what, there is enough to go around, you know, like I, you know, I'm showing you my phone, I have a $20 bill in all my phone cases, just so that when I pick up my phone, I realize there's money everywhere. That's just a signal. There's money everywhere. Sure. You just have to go create it. Right. And I feel like that's one of those skills that if anyone who comes from that place of scarcity could just cultivate that idea that there is enough. And if you don't have enough, you can create more that man, the world would be such a better place.
1: Yeah, and it's all out there, right? I mean, there's so much out there. For sure. And we don't need all this stuff. The older you get, the smarter you realize that they're just things, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, they're just things. My father, I don't know if we want to go there, but he was on his deathbed and he literally was dying. And my mom, of course, is crying, you know, Mm -hmm. dad, you know, fight, fight, fight. And he literally told her, get off me. I'm dying, okay? He goes, everybody (laughs) relax. I had a great life. You're all here. Mm -hmm. Let's just finish this up. I mean, that Mm -hmm. was his attitude on his deathbed. And we all went, okay, this is really how we should all live, right? He goes, guys, everything's okay. Everyone will be fine. You know, of course, my mom's, you know, freaking out, but that's what you're supposed to do when you're married. Hopefully my wife does that when I'm on my (laughs) deathbed, At least for a few minutes. Right, Right (laughs) then the party, right? But I think that's it, is as we get older, it's Mm -hmm. not the things anymore it's our relationships with people Mm -hmm. and and they start to get smaller right because some people come and some people go but certain friends stick around because we all live in a bubble i live in a bubble i I love my bubble and it's a good bubble (laughs) and you can get into my bubble with certain characteristics and Mm -hmm. you get kicked out of my bubble with certain (laughs) characteristics but i know a lot of people but only so many people get in the bubble right Mm. i mean we can go anywhere throwing all these parties after all these years i I know just about (laughs) everyone and uh so it's just an interesting concept to
0: give you don't need and enjoy 100% right 100% so with all of these years behind you now and the <laughs> call me old <laughs> in a roundabout way, <laughs> in a soft sell kind of way. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, 28 years, obviously, with the same company, um, you know, you know, we've all been impacted by this whole COVID thing. You know, how are you seeing the market? You know, how is it impacting you, given, given the fact that a lot of your business is people coming together and we're not supposed to be doing that right now so how have you been impacted and what do you see happening
1: well let's see impacted is that we lost about 380 events in two months oh wow (laughs) only three only 380 (laughs) yeah yeah if it was 370 i wouldn't even worry about it but yeah there's 380 you know let's talk about the good things right let's talk about the good things yes we have no business the government Mm -hmm. said dave you can't run your business Mm -hmm. and guess what people when he can you're all going to be scared to get together for a good long time, because the, the, the news, if you're watching it, stop. But everybody please. is, right. please, everybody that is listening is scared to get together. And for us, it's about getting together festivals, mm-hmm. stadiums, you know, parties, weddings. We just did a party real quick uh, last weekend for nine people, which was great. But so what's great about what happened to us is I get to sit back now and go through all the employee stuff, right? I get to reprint, redesign the employee manual. I can take things out and bring it in. And now that we've been off for a month so far, when I bring it back, a lot of these people aren't going to remember how the old way was because we can come in with a new system without worrying about it. Mm. I also noticed I was spending a lot of money on little things I didn't even realize. The $25 here for this subscription, $36 mm. here for this $50 here for it. And I was like, what? And once you get rid of all of that, because we had to get rid of all of that, mm. I'm not bringing it back, right? Because right? it was easy for me. To spend, you know, these little subscriptions for, who who knows, whatever they are, you know, uh, uh, what's the Mailchimp, you know, that kind of thing. You know, it's like sixty dollars a month for the past ten years, and I never even sent out a newsletter. You know, it's like, so that kind of stuff is great to do. That the way it's going to impact us is going to be very interesting. I know a lot of. Our industry is gonna. A lot of people aren't gonna be making out of this. So I feel really bad about that. The um, when they when everybody comes back, you're gonna see a spike. It's just normal. You're gonna see it. That's because everyone's getting back together. But you're gonna see it together if it was the flu. I mean, it, if it was, if it was anything, you're gonna see that. So it's gonna scare people away. So hopefully, at least. People, around 100 people, will still have their wedding. They'll still, corporate, will still get together 50 people, that type of thing. But I think you're going to see big events hold off for a while. Really? They're talking 2021 is what they're talking about. Really? Yeah. Wow. So for us, it's going to be very interesting. May 1st, there's a big movement to open up a lot of the retail places again. I see it, and I'm so happy for them that salons and bars are going, you know, forget it. I'm opening up, which they should. Because you just can't lose your freedom because everyone's scared of something they don't even know anything about. Right. Having said that, yes, there are people dying. My wife's a nurse. I get it. But there's also other people that aren't scared and there's a few of us that have a great immune systems that I still need to make a living. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, I don't I'd rather make a living than going on unemployment, which I won't do. I'll start something else, but of course. <laughs> <laughs> but for us it's going to be a tough climb until everybody is comfortable with hanging out with people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the media that's going to run that. Mm-hmm. I think, because we can all say, guys, it's great, right? I mean, let's get together. And everyone's going to say, they tell us not to, right? They tell us not to. Well, who tells you not to? We can get into that whole thing if you want to talk about that. But yeah, for sure. um, I think everyone just come out, follow the washing your hands. If you want to wear a mask, totally, I get it. But getting together, we need people. Like, you need people. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife says, where are you going? <laughs> I'm going to Jason's and do a podcast what? <laughs> like, Calm down, calm down. I'm going to catch it before from you going to the hospital the whole time. Yeah, I, was to say, to yeah. I should be scared of you, <laughs> right, man. Right.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: so to me, it, it, our, our industry is the worst, I think it's the worst impact by that bars are going to get people to go into. Mm-hmm. They're going to move their tables. So there's very little people's, but at least they'll get the business right. And I think a lot of people are liking this pull up, get your food, or, you know, delivered type of thing but weddings events are going to come back last.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's So a, scary. Yeah. I mean the, the whole large event thing that takes so much planning and so much, you know, forethought and, you know, a lot of people have had to cancel, you know, you can imagine like all the deposits that got lost, you know, all this crazy stuff that went down and, you know, putting all that money at risk again, you got to be sure. Right.
1: Right. Oh, yeah. It's, it's going to just uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. And you're going to see that normally we all know in Arizona summer, everybody leaves. It's too mm-hmm. hot. Yep. This year, nobody's going anywhere. Right. Because yep. no one wants to fly. Nobody wants to go anywhere. So we're hoping that the small little pool parties and little backyard parties are going to stick around this summer. So, that might help at least the cash flow to get you through the summer because normally we all plan for nothing. Sure. Right? That's how we plan. So, sure. I had three months off. Now I have six months off. <laughs> 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 Which is, yeah, driving is a little crazy because I can only play spider solitaire so many times. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny, man.
0: Jeez. So, um, as you're looking at the, you know, kind of you know, the landscape and in the services industry, you know, are you having to pivot your business in any major ways? It sounds like you're basically kind of cleaning house, getting prepared, getting ready to take on business so that you're more streamlined and your systems are ready to go. But have you had to pivot in any any major ways outside of that?
1: No. I mean, most of it is making sure the client feels safe now, right? So we do have a COVID-19 procedure that the bartenders and servers are following, right? The washing of the hands, the wearing of the mask, all of that, the the six feet distance, all of that good stuff. So now we have that policy in place. Mm -hmm. But we're just waiting for the governor to say, okay, you can go outside, right? I mean, he's running everything. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, we just as my wife says, what are you doing today? Like, I'm waiting for somebody to tell me I can go back to work, <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> right? And then even when I go back to work, now I have to get all the clients and say, are you still throwing your May party? Sure. And now it's up to them to decide if we're working or not.
0: Yeah, it's almost going to be a fight, I think, against public opinion, no matter what business you're in. You know, like I'm in the gym industry, obviously, is one of my businesses. And, you know, when I open up shop, people are going to be, I think, fearful right? because of, you know, all the things that they've read or heard or seen, whether or not it's safe for them or, or not. You know, they have this belief. And the, the big challenge, I think, is going to be overcoming the zeitgeist, you know, this popular opinion that people are holding because they're TV educated as opposed to actually listening to the science or whatever the case may be. Right. And like you said, I mean, there are legit people who are impacted and legit people who should stay at home sure. in quarantine. You know, there are legit people who are at risk. But I mean, I feel like at this point in time, we know enough to where it's like, okay, the people who are healthy need to get out there and start producing because that actually promotes health, that promotes wellness, that promotes your immune system, being around people, getting sunlight, you know, eating the right things, hanging out with working out, working out. All of these things promote immunity. They promote, you know, the thing that we want to go into and sitting at home is actually doing the exact opposite.
1: Right. Right. It's keeping us from all that. Now your gym. You're probably, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to have squares where we're six feet apart where people can work <laughs> on, Well, you're more CrossFit, right? More CrossFit. Yeah. Right. So maybe six <laughs> feet apart from there.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, to, to be honest with you, I mean, I don't know if we'll have enough members to worry about six feet, right? Cause you know how people are, they cancel, 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 and you can't blame them. Right. right? They're, you know, well, they're the not, gym's not open. Yeah, of course. I mean, who wants to do a zoom workout? I mean, it, it's, you know, it's like, uh, it's you know it's utilitarian. It gets the job right. done, but nobody wants to do it. Right. So it's at the end of the day, it's it's going to be basically for me. It'll be rebuilding. Uh, a membership base and you know reopening the gym from there
1: but yeah and you like us have to have a policy and Mm -hmm. call it the COVID-19 policy and right and then who knows when we get to throw that damn policy away and (laughs) hey we're back to normal exactly because I think things are changing I think you're going to see a lot of companies go wow I saved so much money by you working from home and using Mm -hmm. Zoom that guess what you are now working at home and I'm going to take this 10,000 square foot office and go down to 5,000 square feet and you're going to see a lot of that. You're going to see a lot of people going, okay, we actually did this.
0: Yeah, for sure. Right? <laughs> I would not want to be in commercial real estate right, right. now. I definitely would not. Because I mean, a lot of selling. A lot of selling. But it, like you said, I think a lot of people are going to be forced to take a look at the utility of a tool that. Allows people to stay home, and I mean, why do you need to work from a cubby at a computer when you can work at home, and at the same computer doing the (laughs) same things, right? I mean, as long as you have a phone and an internet connection, who cares?
1: Right, and as long as they can see your progress, right, then you're fine. Exactly. I think that's going to be a big interest, and and that's going to change. I think how people relate to each other is Mm going to change, and you know, I I hope people don't get you know, if someone coughs or sneezes, you know, and again, you know, they only show people fighting, even though they don't show the people. Uh, you know, I've had no issues with anyone as I go to the store or, or anything. You know, I joke with them, right? As you're walking in, I'm always like, What number am I? Right? And they're like, You're number 84. And then, you know, I'm because like, you're only allowed 100 people in Albertson. Exactly. So then I leave, I'm like, What number am I? And she's like, You're 85. And I'm like, Oh, man, I want to be 84. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you know, we get everybody at least laugh, right? Because yeah. th- th- this is crazy. Yeah. But there's going to be, it's going to be interesting to actually see a year from now what changed and a lot of it's going to be social Mm -hmm. and again it's up to the media to tell everyone relax but i have a feeling that's not gonna happen i don't think it's gonna happen (laughs) i don't think
0: that's gonna happen i mean there she's man just imagine the attention that all of these uh, networks are getting right now because of all the bad news they've been able to deliver, right? And humans are programmed to look for uh, it. So geez, I can't even imagine. No,
1: I like the conspiracy theories. I mean, I, that's my favorite. Yeah. No, those are great. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's a great, yeah. I'm yeah. a Martian, by the way. Yeah.
0: They're always false until they're true, right? <laughs> right.
1: And, and it's amazing. Some of my friends who I didn't realize were germaphobes, and then I didn't realize that they were politicians and, and now they're doctors. So it was just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ever realize it.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm a total germaphobe. I admit it, right? It's not oh, Right? For me, yeah. it hasn't been any different. When I go someplace public, I touch as little as possible, and I always make sure I keep my hands. How clean. do you do Spartans by going
1: under the water and in the mud?
0: <laughs> I avoid that at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> my
1: wife says, as a trauma nurse, she's like, "You do what?" And I go, "Yeah, we're right yeah. in mud, and then we go under this wall." Yeah, and exactly. She goes, "Does it like, get in your mouth?" And I'm go, "I think so." I mean, I'm it's spitting it mouth, out. You spit right? it. I go, "I don't know if someone's blood's in it or whatever." Oh, and there's and blood. And there's, spit's and she's like, not, she's like oh my gosh it freaks around i'm like it's, relax sweetheart it's okay yeah. I, i've never had an issue yeah for sure
0: <laughs> it's like what like four or five thousand people go through the same like 10 <laughs> right, by mud. 10 mud hole <laughs> <laughs> who
1: knows right who knows what's in that mud hole? <laughs> yeah and after seeing
0: what was in the porta potties earlier you definitely know it's full of all kinds of contaminants right yeah so it's, it's going
1: it's to be interesting how people react mm-hmm. to this to this again but with our industry i don't know it's going to be the single entrepreneur will probably be able to withstand it because they can work themselves sure my overhead's pretty low which is nice after 28 years we have no debt it's mm-hmm. low so as long as i can get a few jobs here and there we should be fine mm-hmm. and then there's others that have that just started that have this debt cuz they built everything and this and that and i don't know if they're going to be able to hold out you're going to start seeing in about probably, what, 15, 30 days mm-hmm. if people have made it or not. Because everyone's going to run out of money if they didn't save. That's right. right? That's even right. your stimulus, even your PPP in, in two and a half months, you better have had something saved. And in our industry, summer, a lot of people don't. That's right. So now that's you're right. at a six months versus the three months. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I feel bad. I feel actually sad because I know some good people are not going to be able to hold on.
0: Yeah, you know, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, we you know, the whole $1,200 check thing yeah. that hit, what was it last week? And then, uh, like the, the numbers for retail spending was off the charts. Like right. people were spending their money as soon as they got it on any trinket that they could find TVs online. And everything. I was crazy. It's absolutely <laughs> crazy. So it's like, you know, the average American has what, less than $500 in their savings account or that. something like that. And the average 401k has less than 65 grand in it. It's like, that's, I mean, these people are fucked. Right. Let's just be honest. You know, if they don't get they don't get those checks, and like in the case of Christina and I, uh, they they don't send out your check unless. Oh. Well, they don't send out your check unless, you've, unless they have your tax records from the previous years, right? So I, I logged into the to the tax record to see if they've processed our taxes and they still haven't done it. For like, 19. For, yeah. And then I go to the IRS website and they're like, oh yeah, we're skeleton crew right now. So like, you know, we haven't had any help from the government, you know, and that's okay because we put money away and, sure. you know, and all of that fun stuff. But by the same token, you know, if we weren't, the type of person who had put something away and the mortgage payment comes due and I've got rental property. So I have multiple mortgage payments. Like it'd be, we'd be all kinds of screwed.
1: Right. And and rental property as an owner. I mean, they're looking to you saying, okay, I need help. help. Right. They need help. And I mean, that's a position that you don't want to be in either because you feel for them. Mm -hmm. But again, we were told not to work That's right, and then told you can't work. Yeah. So how does that work? It's just an interesting time for yeah. us that are, as you called me old because we've never been through well, something. I'm like two years <laughs> younger than you or something. I don't you know, know I haven't been through anything like this. yeah. So you know, and it's actually interesting to see how the governments can't handle all this stuff either.
0: Well, I think it all hinges <laughs> on the banks, what the banks do, right? Because if everything just gets put on hold for three months, no big deal what the banks did is they're doing the whole forbearance thing with the mortgage where you don't have to pay us for the next three or four months, but in three or four months, you owe us all the money at once. Right.
1: So where's it's that like, money come from? <laughs> if
0: if someone couldn't pay you this month, how are the hell are they going to have four times that amount three but months? Wait, from now? there's people out there that go, cool. I know. <laughs> because well, that's they the did. thing, right? And, and, you know, and banks are going to foreclose on people because of that, yeah. you know, because someone did go cool, cool. Right. Yeah. I don't have to pay them. I and then know. all of a sudden you're like. What? <laughs> all at once? Yes, time? you do. All at once. Yeah, oh, well, we'll loan you some more. we'll give you a second mortgage <laughs> right. on top oh, there of your first you mortgage, right? And you that's,
1: can keep your house. That's crazy. Yeah, it's mm. going to it's going to be interesting. It's it's by June, yeah, end of May, you're going to mm. it's going to be interesting to see at least our industry where it moves to Mm -hmm. or what happens you know asu is a great account of mine and obviously they're not coming back till august now hopefully they will open up at august because i read somewhere in another school in pennsylvania they don't even want to open up in the fall they want to keep you back at home school and you have parents going are you crazy that's crazy yeah (laughs) right so you know hopefully asu opens up and um you know botanical gardens a great place we bartend out there with them and, uh, you know, they haven't done anything either, so we hopefully uh, they get going
0: Yeah, definitely to man. have
1: some fun. And, you know, so that way you can enjoy the garden again.
0: Absolutely, yeah. There's so many things, I mean, so many opportunities right now, as you're saying, you know, to to, to right your ship, so to speak, you know, to, to get right with yourself if you don't own a business. Or, you know, just basically design a vision for your life and start living into it. You know, if you've been one of those people who's kind of been sitting on the sidelines with the excuse of, I don't have time, time right? you got all kinds of time now, buddy. Sure. If you wanted to be a coach, now's the time, right? If you the want time. To,
1: now you have all the time. And then I also think if you, if you don't want to do anything, that's okay too, 100%. right? Because we've all been run so far. I mean, I sort of like it like when my wife does go to work, <laughs> you know, I work out at eight. Like I still work out on Zoom, mm-hmm. which is fine, <laughs> but I do it with the people you know. So yes. I mean, they're fun. Yeah. And then I run the dogs and then I come home and I'm like, hmm, I could take a nap right? The phone's not ringing. You know, when was the last time I could do that know, at 10 right? in the morning I know, <laughs> on like, a Tuesday? Yeah, it's like how valuable is
0: sleep when you grow up? When you're young, you never want to go to sleep, and then you get to be an adult, and it's like, when can I sleep more? Wait, but we've read taking a 20-minute nap a day is beneficial for you. It makes right. you smarter. That's right, 100%. A meditation and a 20-minute nap. So for, for sure.
1: some of us, I mean, it's like, okay, this is a nice... Now, what I don't care for is I'm sleeping in till 6. Now, normally get up at 4.30. And when we go back, I want to go back to 4.30. My sleep pattern is way off. I'm still going to bed at 9, which is Mm -hmm. cute. But now I'm sleeping till 6.30. (laughs) And it's like, no, 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 no. I got to go back, get back up at 4.30. (laughs) Yeah, we were definitely
0: doing that too. we were creeping later into the evening. So we we started a rule. We have a family meeting every week. So we started a rule two weeks ago where the TV is turned off before 9 o'clock. You know, you can't watch any. So, if we're watching a show and it's in the middle of the show, it literally gets turned off. We did this last night, watching this repair shop show from the UK. We just <laughs> turned it off at nine o'clock. You know, just
1: don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I usually get bed at nine. Wife's, mm. it depends because I don't like some of the shows that she watches. So, mm-hmm. she's like, You know in bed? Okay, good. You see the TV, like, <laughs> right? Because yeah. she's one of those people that can sleep till 10, right? You know, sure. one of those like, Sunday mornings to Well as a 10. nurse,
0: she probably works crazy hours, doesn't well, she? But she works
1: 12, 12 hours. There but you it's you know, but sometimes when she's in charge she has to get up at three thirty and to be there by five. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So it's like five to six or five to seven, something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the middle of the night as far as I'm concerned. Three <laughs> thirty in the morning. Yeah,
1: it's so I remember the first time I used to go to bed at, you know, one in the morning, right? When we were I mean, mm. I, I was in the bar business, right? When I first started one and then I started going to ten and, and I got to nine and then one day I look at the wife and I go, I'm going to bed at eight thirty and she starts screaming, You are not going to bed at 30 There's no way. Are you kidding me? She's like, all oh, mad at me. I'm like, okay, we'll keep it at nine. And then she starts getting tired at nine now. Right. It's amazing. Your
0: body will adjust to that. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, I went to my grandmother's lake house a few years ago with Christina and no one was using it. So she had all the services turned off, you know, like basic, uh, like there's no cable, you know, no phone service or anything like that. So all we had was our cell phones and electricity basically. And we found that there was no cell service, you know, where sh- where her house was on the lake. And so what we found was by turning all that crap off, when it got dark, we naturally got tired. Oh. Right? We naturally wound down, if that's the correct that's past tense of right, yeah. the verb. And we naturally got up early. And it was just such this great place to be in. And I think a lot of times we don't realize how much this... These cell phones, for whatever reason, or the television, the light hitting our skin oh. impacts us and keeps us up late into the evening, right? Oh
1: yeah, yeah. No, I don't. Um, I don't bring my phone to bed. Mm-hmm. We have a TV, but it doesn't go on, and mm-hmm. I don't read in bed. So when I go to bed, I know my body knows that you're there to sleep. So right. I'm out cold three minutes. Yeah, and I don't do any. It's none of that's up in the bedroom. What's also nice is during the day when the wife isn't at work and I am at home, the TV's never on. Mm-hmm. So I just play jazz in the background. Mm-hmm and just do what I need to do. And it doesn't she comes home with six, seven, it's still off until she gets home. Cause there's nothing that I need to see on TV. <laughs> That's such great advice
0: too. is just to make sure that where you sleep is, is purpose built for that. Right. For, so that when you go in there, it's a trigger for your body. All right, I'm here. My body's triggered to start shutting down. I can get that good sleep.
1: I, I don't see any light. I mean, none of that. And if she, Jody is watching uh, a TV, when I get to bed, she turns it off because yes. she knows. So, but I'd leave my phone downstairs. And everybody knows, you know, Stacy jokes. She's, I said, if you're ever in trouble, you call me. And she starts laughing. She goes, no. I'm like, what do you mean no? Right? And she says, you don't even have your phone after 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> you won't even see it till morning. I'm yeah. calling Rita. Yeah, that's funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have every notification on my phone turned off at all times. My phone doesn't even ring. Yeah. So I bring it to the bedroom with me and just plug it into charge. But You have two phones. Well, I have like five phones, <laughs> yeah, five phones, but I use them for cameras. Oh, like, okay. So I'll set, one, I'll set multiple phones up for cameras camera angles or whatever. Uh, sometimes we'll record live uh, video or whatever. But yeah, all the notifications have been turned off for years, man. And that's been such a huge, huge help.
1: It's amazing when you stare at a screen. I've, I've My brother-in-law will sit in his bed with his laptop. Mm. right and work and i'm like what the hell's wrong with you
0: exactly i mean
1: you're gonna go to bed it's gonna be bright in your head it's just gonna be like lights bright on you (laughs) you know and they said you shouldn't do that i mean they just you shouldn't do that so yeah no i it's i get into bed it's bed me and dog's Mm. wife
0: (laughs) (laughs) nice very cool man well i know this whole uh COVID thing will eventually end and I'm sending all the love and light to you, man, to, oh, thanks. to come out of this and, uh, you know, really be able to build your business back up and get it up to where you want it to be and enjoy it. And with that said, one of my last questions is always, you know, what does success look like for you at this point in your life with your business, your family, whatever, what does success look like in, in Dave's world?
1: Ooh, success in Dave's world yeah. is Everybody's happy. Everybody's partying. The company is running itself. Mm -hmm. And I have time to help others get happy and just just relax. I I just want everybody to relax. Mm -hmm. You know, stressed out and all that. So success to me is just having fun in life. Because you're not going to be here one day. And when you get to that point, you're going to realize it wasn't that long. You might think it is, you know, ninety years old, you might think that's a long time because you're living in it, but when you're ninety, it's not. Right. <laughs> so just enjoy life. And that's where my success is is I just want people to be happy, and I have no problem running around trying to get them happy. But as long as that's and you're happy doing what you're doing, then then leave everyone else alone. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's pretty 100%. easy for
0: it. me. I love that, man. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> sure. So, how can people get in touch with you, um, employ Poor Masters when this is all over, and oh. um, you know take advantage of the fantastic service that you guys yeah. offer?
1: There you go. Well, I mean, it's easy, right? Poormasters.com. Poormasters.com. That's easy. Uh, when you get there, there's an order form. It shows everything. That you need mm-hmm. and then just let us know uh, everybody just goes to the internet now anyways i can give you a phone number but it's at poor masters.com <laughs> you, won't, you won't remember it and then uh check out parkside lane events.com too because those are the parties that we have and you're invited um, to come say hi and again all we ask is that you take uber home or have a designated driver because right. you'll need it
0: <laughs> and then what about your um, networking group
1: networking group is the second Wednesday of every month called north com, right. And again, we take everybody because it's not it's not that we don't only want one per, mm-hmm. is because we want to help everyone. So one day you're going to meet somebody and then you might meet somebody in the same industry, but your job is 30 days to get that one person to lead. So it's not like I you know, just because you're the only one, I have to give it to you because my friend does the same thing, you know, and I know him, I don't know you. Right. So this is, it doesn't matter who you meet there, whoever we pair you up with or whoever you want to be paired up with, because we ask you to go visit somebody, mm-hmm. then that's who you would help. Nice. And that's uh, second Wednesdays. And then for, we do have the third Wednesdays called the wedding and event network. So if you're in the wedding and event business, mm-hmm. same concept, but just those type of industry people, on the third Wednesday of every month.
0: Great. And is this online or does someone need to get in all touch online. with you directly? It's
1: also Facebook. Facebook's probably the easiest because okay. we tend to do all of our events on that. Fantastic. And me being old, as you said, um, <laughs> we use Facebook where I know the kids use Instagram. And uh, what's the other one? Snapchat. Yeah, that's Snapchat. <laughs> we're trying to do more on Instagram. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm fantastic. still trying to learn it. I don't do TikTok and I don't know the other stuff. But we're, we're LinkedIn for the business. Uh, Meetup is... Um, Also, you can go there. And then we're bringing back Gorilla Ball. Good. So if you want to play Gorilla Ball, I know you guys are listening, going, what the hell is Gorilla Ball? We play uh, on a sand volleyball court, two on two with a medicine ball. Mm -hmm. And your goal is to work up to a 10-pound ball. Mm -hmm. We start with a six. And if you think it's easy, our tagline is come on out and play because <laughs> everybody that comes from CrossFit and all that looks at us like we're nuts. And when they leave, they think it's an unbelievable workout. So once we can all gather again, <laughs> mm-hmm. we usually play up at the ear anthem courts. Okay. At the sand courts. So right we're probably, at the park. yeah, we're probably going to do them on Fridays and see how that works. Cause okay. Sundays people are at church. So that's not working. Fantastic. And Saturday night people want to hit the bars. So Friday nights, uh, over there, but if you want a great workout, it's crazy i burned a thousand calories in three games wow and nice. i played with an eight pound ball so i think i'm out of shape after this damn quarantine so i might have to go back to a six pound <laughs> yeah
0: i know you pussed out on all the spartan races man what happened <laughs> they You're stopped them. Up here no the virtuals that we did
1: oh i know i didn't need to do those yeah, i was for waiting sure. for someone else i gotta i tell you the um, this quarantine it's like i have been working out and i've been running
0: but my food has
1: been so off And my alcohol (laughs) has been way more than I normally do. (laughs) So I started yesterday back onto my macro program. So yeah, normally I drink once a week. It's a Friday night and that's where I have my chocolate, right? And, And live, but the rest of the week I live healthy. But when you're sitting around and your wife cooks every single night for two people, you have to tell me I'm, a, I'm married to an Italian, so it's every like five a, seconds, it's like we have hungry? leftovers, right? We no. have leftovers for weeks.
0: That's <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, awesome, man. Well, my last question is always the same, and that is, what does wellness mean to you?
1: Wellness, mentally, physically, uh, in general, in general. Wellness is make sure you keep yourself in a bubble that is healthy, happy, and is a giving bubble. Because once you get out of that and you hang out with people that aren't well, it tends to drain you. Mm. And it's okay to let those people go is my wellness. So for me, I like to hang out with healthy People. And I'm not saying if you're not healthy, I don't hang out with you. But that mindset, like we talk about, going to Spartan races and and going to the gyms and all of that. Food-wise, you have no idea how well it feels when you are healthy. Mentally, I mean, you wake up and you get a chill and you smile. It's crazy. I mean, it's just crazy how good you feel when you're healthy. And then just read books and watch things that fill your mind with good things, mm. just good things. You know, uh, if it's spiritual, spiritual, if it's, if it's not, if it's self-help books, that's great. But anything time someone tells you what to do, don't, don't listen, do what you want to do from a wellness standpoint.
0: Mm, beautiful. Beautiful. I love the way you frame that. Thank you, my friend, for being up today, for, sure. for braving the COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic. And, uh, I'm sure all our listeners are going to pull quite a few nuggets from their, from your story. For those of you guys who are interested in the services that Dave offers, be sure and reach out. Be sure and check out his networking group. They are a fantastic bunch of people I can tell you from experience. And with that said, on behalf of Dave and myself, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. That's going to do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. And if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing, sharing, subscribing, and by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike, and if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com, or pick me up on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you, and I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.